Hi, welcome to the Travel Advice Show. I'm Chris Newton, one of the co-hosts, and my other co-host, Jerry Fuller. How are you doing, Jerry? Fantastic. Oh, great day today, isn't it? Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's September 8th, uh, 2008, and uh, would you like to introduce our guests uh, today? In our I'd be honored. Oh, We're very excited to have with us Sherry Anderson, who is owner and trainer of Professional Tour Management Training, and the reason we asked Sherry to be with us today is because what she trains about is something that many, many people either would like to do or would like to know how to work with them, and it's Tour director. Welcome, Sherry. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. And thank you for having me here today. This is fun. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, welcome. I love your website, by the way. It's a great website. Thank you. I did it myself. So I'm really Really? thrilled to hear that. Oh, nice. Yeah. I I, I look at websites all day long. So I like it, though. It's very, very good. Very good. Yeah. Oh, I'm flattered. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Sherry, first of all, I would like to start out with um, a, maybe a definition of tour director. I know there are so many different kinds and perceptions. Would you like to define that first, and then we'll go into many other aspects of it? Absolutely. It's always confusing to people. It's something people want to do, but there's so little information about what we do and so a huge misunderstanding Um, I actually train tour directors and tour guides, and people confuse those two. Um, Most people know a tour guide. The tour guide delivers a narration. It might be a four-hour city tour. It might be uh, a full-day tour, but they're delivering the narration. As a tour director, um, my job is different. I'm hired to manage tour groups. So, for instance, on an international tour, I travel with the tour group, manage the tour. I'm working with the the tour members, the airlines, the inbound, outbound tour operators, all the transportation companies, um, and and the suppliers and such. And then I'm also working with a local guide, and the guide delivers the narration. So I'm not a tour guide when I lead international tours. I'm the tour director, the tour manager. In fact, in Europe, they call us couriers. Uh, when we lead domestic tours, um, our management's a little bit easier. We're on a motor coach, usually a couple of weeks at a time. We're not dealing with airlines and long distance and languages and different guides every day and such like we are on international tours. But, again, a tour director's leading the tour group domestically. It may be the U.S., Canada, or in individual countries. And um, the management's less, but they're also uh, delivering the narration. Again, they're not a tour guide, they're a tour director because they're traveling with their tour group. So, and then domestically, they may work with um, local companies called destination management companies, and now I'm going in another direction. But again, um, they're working with groups, they're not necessarily a tour guide. So I hope that helps a little bit. You know, people think I'm bilingual, uh, they think I'm a tour guide, they think I put tour, tour groups together and all of that. You're and everything. I don't. Yeah, you're everything. I'm, yeah, I'm everything. <laughs> On the tour, during the tour. Right, right, yeah. I know. Um, at this stage, I'd like to start out with your background on when did you first, oh, we don't need dates, but when did you first start getting interested in tour directing? And uh, how did you develop into training and teaching and developing your online course, which is really very impressive? Thank you. It's been a lot of work. I put a lot of work into it, and I'm thrilled. I'm real excited about the classes. Um, I'll give 
uh, general dates. <laughs> I started working okay. on the cruise ships. <laughs> I started working on the cruise ships in the early 80s and um, loved it. And then um, I started with the cruise lines, and then I started escorting groups on the tour ships or cruise ships. And I went from ship to ship and different cruise lines escorting groups on the ships. From there, I went into tour directing, leading tours. And I have to tell you, um, the first tour I did, and this was in 1980, I'll give a date, 86, was to China for 28 days. And you know, you guys know, you've traveled a lot. That was a tough time to do tours in China. Yes. Yeah. Oh, completely yeah. different now. That's good, yeah. <laughs> really authentic, yeah. Yes. In fact, I got back and I didn't request another tour until I was given tours, but I didn't request one. It scared me. And I was used to being a, you know, a hostess on the cruise line and throwing cocktail parties and just sort of hanging out and, and suddenly to be thrown in that situation, I was absolutely overwhelmed. Um, eventually, and I learned the hard way with some real tough lessons, how to lead tours. And um, and then I got to the point I would sort of alternate between tours and cruises. So I would do a tour, work hard, and then do a cruise, not work as hard and catch up on my sleep, and then do a tour. Um, <laughs> and, and I know you guys understand that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, very happens. well. <laughs> and travelers to know, you know, that. Much more relaxing on a cruise ship. Um, in the in my background before that was in teaching, and in the early 90s, I put together um, first of all some introductory courses in, in introducing people to the careers in tour directing and tour guiding. And I worked with 15 colleges throughout Southern California, and that developed into taking people to Hawaii and training them, um, taking them on the cruise ships. Um, four cruises or for the day, uh, motor coach training. I mean, it just went crazy. It became very successful, and I actually got into staffing and and um, doing the training for a lot of the local destination management companies. Um, eventually, from that, in fact, 9/11 hit, and we suddenly had lots of time on our hands <laughs> because we, oh, God, you know, our tourism was just, you know interrupted uh, for a while there. So I, um, at that point, took about a year and developed my training um, into an online class. And uh, it's been up, I guess, about three years, going up four years now. And it's offered through 1,500 colleges, in fact, a little over 1,500 colleges. And I now have students in my classes um, from all over the world. I've straight tra- trained um, guides in Nigeria, in the Philippines, of course in Europe. Um, I have a, a woman that's just finished my cl- finishing up my class now who's a local guide in Bulgaria, which has been a wonderful experience, you know, hearing their side of the, of the industry too, um, literally all over the world because they can enroll right online and they don't have to be in any particular location. So it's it's really exciting. In Let me ask you a question. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. go ahead. No, that's that's where I am today. I'm putting most of my energies now into the online class. Fabulous. Let me ask this question. Um, having escorted myself many, many times for about eight years, uh-huh. I let's um, let's define or explain what a guide uh, and any level of guide, a uh, tour director, a guide, uh, what do they do? I mean, real specifically, what do they do and what is expected uh, from the people on the tour? Okay. I defined our job as, and, and what I 
teach in my classes and hope my students um, achieve this goal is that our job as the tour director is to make sure that people get what's in the brochure and more. And that sounds easy, you know, <laughs> and you, you know, <laughs> that's not yeah. easy. You know, we're dealing with airlines and weather and weather, holidays yeah. and people and suppliers and gas occasionally uh-huh. and illness yeah. and um, and I have to be careful because I'm I'm so upfront in my training on on dealing with challenges and things that can happen that sometimes I scare people away from it and I don't want them to think that oh gosh you know every day somebody's going to die or get sick or you know they're going to go on strike. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like who? And, and I have talked people out of it. And in fact, I I think I mentioned to Jerry in the past that I had a gentleman after taking my class saying, "Why would anybody want to do this? You know, people get sick and they get nasty and they get tired and they die and don't tip you anyway." <laughs> and it still makes me laugh because I I try not to portray it that way, but um, but you are dealing with people and they do get tired. And so my job, um, for instance, I, I I do a lot of Australia tours, so I meet the group at LAX and they're coming in from all over the country. We fly to Australia together, nice long flight. Um, I get them to the airport, hopefully with all of their luggage. We usually do a little city tour on the way to the air, on the way to the hotel. Um, that afternoon, while they're resting, I'm um, dealing with reservations and, and confirmations with suppliers and such, putting together my briefing. Um, that night, I do a briefing. We'll usually have a cocktail party or a dinner, and um, and then I go to bed. And I've been up about 35 hours by then. Mm-hmm. And then um, and from then on, I'm with the people. Now, hopefully the next morning I meet my group and we spend the day. I'm getting paid to do what people spend thousands of dollars to do. You know, I'm traveling along. Mm-hmm. I have a local guide. And, you know, gosh, I'm in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Can't be that. Um, but then when the tour ends, I have lots of details and, and such I have to take care of in the afternoons or the evenings. I'm not working all the time. People think that we work 24 hours a day. We're on call 24 hours a day. And, of course, our emergencies, you probably had this too, Jerry, hit about 1 a.m. <laughs> yeah. That's you know. true. I, I had this client um, when we were in Kathmandu at the Yakin Yeti Hotel. About 2.30 uh-huh. in the morning, I get a call to my room from one of my uh, t- clients and the people on my tour. She said, my husband just died. What do I do? Uh-huh. And so, um, yeah, it's very sad, but you have to think fast. And uh, it's amazing what we had to do uh, because you couldn't leave the body there because he would stay there. So we had to work with the U.S. Embassy and uh, get him cremated secretly and sneak him out in the embassy pouch. Well, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I haven't had that particular situation. <laughs> that one's challenging. Oh, oh we, I've had revolutions. We've had we've been in revolutions before with the groups, and they've been exciting. <laughs> I love it with a passion. It's a, an exciting uh, occupation, isn't it? Oh yeah, never for a moment. Exactly, and I get people that say they're they're tired of routine, eight to five jobs, and I can always tell them with confidence it's never boring. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. As soon as you start thinking it's boring, something's going to happen. In fact, you usually oh, can't I know. get to the point of thinking it's boring. <laughs> tiring. But, I know. It's tiring, but yeah, very tiring. I know when I get back from got back from trips because I don't do it anymore. But when I got back from trips, I had to rest. 
just like you said, I have to take one or two weeks off and just literally I'm going to stay in bed. Yes, that's how, and that's why we do cruises. I had a friend that I traveled with, and, and in fact, you, you may have known her. Um, she was leading tours well into her 70s and around the world back-to-back tours. Mm. And uh, below the equator mm. around the world, you know, so in, in mm-hmm. rather, you know, not real developed countries either. She loved it. And I remember telling her, gee, I want to stay home for a while. And she said, oh, you'll be home two weeks and beg to come back. It's in your blood. <laughs> you couldn't stop her. You could not stop her. I know. Yeah, I know. Well, let me ask this. about. Um, uh, we've sort of talked about what the tour director does. But as, as some of our listeners, uh, I'm sure many of our listeners, have taken us to tours before and had very step-on guides and on-site guides and tour directors and all kinds of uh, people helping them with their trip. But what should they do uh, and expect from the tour, dra- tour guide uh, that would make the trip better? What should the client actually do to help better, make it better? Oh, good question. I've never been asked that question, and that's a great question from a tour director pointing sort of at the client to do their job too. <laughs> right. Um, well, that's why I asked it because you both and yeah. both of us know that the clients really do have responsibility to help make this trip even better, don't they? Exactly. And that, um, in, in setting up the tour from the beginning, and my welcome letter, and real important briefing. In fact, I have a briefing that they can use anywhere in the world. It's, it's, I've got a couple of tour directors. We worked on it together to, to make it, I think, perfect. Um, the, we try to tell, that's where we, we set down sort of the roles for the tour members and the roles for the tour. And it's not, Gosh, that sounds terrible, doesn't the rules? But but to set up the guidelines, you know, the guidelines that we're with the group. And and most people that travel with tour groups, you know, I would hope, and I find most, you know, occasionally we get, I think they put a difficult person on our tours about every three tours just to make sure we (laughs) keep us humble. Somebody that shouldn't be on an escorted tour. You know, we have people that that enjoy being with others, um, that love to travel. And now they do get tired. You know, I think husbands and wives are sitting next to each other 24 hours a day for the first time. (laughs) Maybe in their marriage for weeks, and that can, you know, get a little testy sometimes. Um, But uh, generally we have people that hopefully are are there because they like other people and they want to cooperate. And some of the steps that we set into place, for instance, um, rotating seats on the coach. And when I get people in my classes that haven't been on tours or they're new tour directors, they think it, you know, it sounds kind of funny, you know, rotating seats, how minor, um, extremely important, you know. And, and, you know, if you don't rotate seats, then Mr. and Mrs. Mr. And Mrs. Smith are out there at 4 a.m. each morning for those front seats. I know it. You know, and yes, then right. pretty soon people start complaining and they start mm-hmm. yelling, we were here first, and it just sort of right. gets nasty. So um, we ask them to rotate seats. Being on time is extremely important. And um, I really don't have a problem with that because I tell my people, if you're not here by, you know, if I say, yeah, I use the terms departure too, different than, um, you know, get to the hotel or get to the space at a time. So I'll say, for instance, we depart the hotel at 8 o'clock. And I will always be there 15 minutes earlier. Don't wait till 8 o'clock to leave your room and, and you know, go uh, sort of go through that. And, and course, you know, everybody's leaving, you know, we're in hotels and everybody's leaving on tour at the same time and the elevators are packed mm-hmm. and they're going to be late. 
Yeah. And we've heard the, heard the excuses. So I tell them, if you're not here and you haven't let me know in advance, then I'm going to assume you don't, you've decided not to go on the tour. Mm-hmm. And when we leave the hotel, I make sure everybody gets a card from the hotel with the name and the address of the hotel, usually in English on one side and the local language. And I make sure they have that to let them know mm-hmm. that I'm not going to worry if, if they don't show up. And, again, if we stop someplace, and particularly there's a lot of shopping, I'll just say if you're not back by by 1.15, I'll assume you've decided to stay, and I know you have directions to the hotel, and we move on. And mm-hmm. then. You know, to people that haven't been on tours, I know that sounds a little cold, but it's so important. And if you have somebody that's late and chronically late especially, and they're not with me, they're not. If, if they were late, they'd only be late once because they're left and they're on time the next time. Right. Um, but it can ruin the tour. People will start yelling and carrying on. In fact, if they're mm-hmm. a minute or two late, my pe- my tour members clap or boo. I Oh, yeah. But I let them. Right, <laughs> Peer right. pressure and, you know, works well. Mm-hmm. But... It can ruin the tour. Um, if we leave the, the hotel at 8, which is the time with most of our city tours, and we're mm-hmm. due back at 1, we may have four or five stops in that time to see. And if we leave the hotel at 8.30 because somebody's late, we're still getting back to the hotel at 1, mm-hmm. which means the other 44 people on the tour that were on time probably missed an attraction that they paid for and they may have been looking forward to seeing during the tour. Right. So right. it's really important, and again, it, it helps prevent fights. <laughs> yeah. um, and and the main thing, you know, I want people to be flexible, to realize we're on we're traveling because it's, you know, it's we want to see something different. We want to be where where things are different. We're there for experiences. We're there for adventure, and they and that uh, they need to be patient. They need to be flexible. They need to have a sense of humor, and. Um, and when I tell them to put their luggage out, put your luggage out at the assigned time. So show up on time, put your luggage out, and I try to take care of the rest with a good, with Perfect. A good attitude. Perfect. Let me ask a question that everyone in the world, it's probably the worst um, part of any trip, is trying to figure out how much do you tip and when do you tip and who do you tip. Okay. Well, if they take an escorted tour. Um, which I do, uh, which I lead, obviously, most of their tips are included as far as their luggage, the airport um, porters, um, the hotel porters, any included meals, that's all included. Um, and as the tour director, depending on what country I'm in, I will cover or have the local guide cover what is typical for that for that country. Um, some countries, you know, they may still do 10 or 15% if it's um, – an outstanding meal, but most countries don't tip to the extent that we do in the U.S. On the reverse side, um, a big problem that people have, or, or I just need to say problem, challenge that tour directors have when they're leading domestic tours, um, again, when they have their tour groups, most of the tips are included, but because the rest of the world doesn't tip like we do normally in the United States, suddenly they go for dinner at a, you know, a coffee shop, and it's nice, they have a nice dinner, and they're told an average tip is 15 to 20%. And a typical comment is, I paid for this meal and now I have to pay more for the service? Mm-hmm. And it can be a real problem. And even trying to figure out 15 to 20%. So I'm trying, I, in my training, I try to help people in ways to, to sort of get around that and 
be able to work with it because it can it can be embarrassing for the tour director. It can be embarrassing and and a, and a problem. I mean, how many restaurants are going to want you to visit with your group if they're tipping you know a few bucks here and there? Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> you know they're not going to be open the next time. <laughs> right. Well, let, uh, let me ask uh, on the two that are really kind of interesting on the bus driver. Um, how much do you tip a bus driver, and how often do you tip the bus driver? Again, it depends on the tour. If you're okay. on an international tour, most companies, and when the person signs up for the tour, it'll they'll receive supplementary information that'll talk mm-hmm. about some of this, and it'll give them an average tip for the driver and an average trip trip um, tip for the local guide if it's an international tour, and then an average tip for the tour director. Most are saying, and this is really high, between, I mean, higher than when you were doing it, <laughs> I should say. Um, most are saying an average tip for the tour director and the local guide is about four, between four and six dollars per day per person. Um, the guy, the drivers are about half of that. Uh, the, um, Tour members normally on an international tour will tip as they leave the coach at the end of the day. And before the, we're going, if we're going to see that guide and that uh, driver for the last time, I'll make an announcement. We would like to thank our driver, so and so, and you know, a little little say for him and for the for the guide. And that's sort of an indication for people that that's the time <laughs> they want to start getting ready. And then they'll tip as they leave. Now, sometimes we're in a country um, or in a city for several days, and we have the same driver and guide. And in that mm-hmm. case, sometimes we'll hold off. And then, of course, then you're surprised, and the last day they don't show up. So then we'll, uh, you know, collect the tips, make sure the, the present driver and guide, you know, gives it to the first one that was that we had for several days. Right. Um, if they're doing a domestic tour and they're going to be with the same driver and tour director, for two weeks at a time, then most of the tipping's done at the end of the tour. So they would multiply, um, let's say, for the dry, uh, four to six dollars per day for the the tour director times the number of days per person. I know some people hear that as per couple. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then about half of that for the driver times the. the the length of the tour. But again, before the people leave in their brochure and the supplementary information, it will give you the average. And again, we say the average because it's, it's um, Americans want to be told how uh, averages and in general about tipping, but we really don't want to be told to tip. Um, but uh, gosh, you know, if they take a, have a good escorted tour, they will know that their tour director, local guides, drivers are, are Earning their keep, they're well worth the the tip. Oh, I know. And let me ask: Do they like the bus driver? Let's say we're doing a two-week trip in Europe and maybe two or three countries, and the bus driver, of course, is European. Um, do you, do they care what currency they're tipped in? Oh, good question. Um, I'll tell you the truth: I don't do a lot of Western European tours, and I'll tell you why: because the guides are so good in Western Europe that um, a lot of the companies aren't hiring American tour directors. And that isn't that we don't have any over there because I have led some and I quite a few cruises over there. But their guides, um, most of their guides have a two-year training licensing program. And uh, we don't have that in the United States. I mean, there's me and very little little else to train our tour directors and guides, and they are so good. 
And I think the problem is we've sent tour directors over that were not trained that would sit in the back of the coach and tour members would say, what is this person here for? You know, why don't we need this person? And we've, you know, hurt ourselves because of that. So I haven't done a lot of Western Europe, and usually what I do is I'm flying from country to country. So we're tipping in that country's currency. Oh, okay. Um, I, I know I've had uh, people in my tour groups uh, argue uh, or in my training kind of argue with, you know, oh, they definitely want U.S. currency in these different countries. And I'll have to say, well, if you're leading an Australian tour in the U.S., do you want Australian dollars? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, each time you exchange money, it can hurt. And yet, of course, some countries, you know, particularly like China, <laughs> they like mm-hmm. the U.S. dollars. Of course, right. when we started out, you couldn't give them U.S. dollars, but now it's, you know, <laughs> they like they like it. <laughs> and sometimes it's easier to figure out than their local currency, too, in places like China. Oh, I know. Uh, that's absolutely true. Let me ask one, uh, a couple of more questions. Um, you were talking about um, about setting out the luggage. Um, I know on some of the tours that I escorted, uh, even though we told them ahead of time, that it's important, like, maybe one suitcase per person plus a carry-on, um, some would be more. What What is your policy on luggage for people who are going to take a tour, an escorted tour or host-type tour that has guys every now and then that handle the luggage? Okay. It dep- again, it depends on the, on the – actually, on the company that they're traveling with and the type of tour. If it's a, delu- a deluxe tour, like a Travcoa um, tour where they're paying $800, $1,000 a day – Oh, they can take two bags. That's not a problem. And they own their maximum number of tour members are 24. So they might have a group with 14, 16 people, even 24 people, 50 bags. That's not a problem. The problem, um, I do value tours. And uh, most tours, you know, they load the coach. So I'll have 46 people in my group. Well, if everyone has two bags, I have no place to put the bags. There's not room on the coach. You know, we can't, we don't have a plate for them. So that's the main reason why people are told uh, on escorted tours it's one bag per person. Now, if I get to the country and I have extra room, which I often do, then they pay for the tipping for that bag throughout the tour. So I'll say if you have an extra bag, and, and again, it depends on the country because tipping varies depending on country, too, as far as how much. In the U.S., mm-hmm. It's two to four dollars per bag in each hotel and out. Again, the same amount out the hotel. In other places, it might be a dollar a bag. It depends on the country. So I'll tell them ahead of time, and oftentimes that'll be in their supplemental information too. That if you have an additional bag, you need to let me know, and um, this is how much it will be for for tipping for that bag. And it sounds. Again, if people haven't been on an escorted tour, they might go, oh, gosh, you know, that sounds so petty when you pay thousands for the tour. But it really adds up. Um, besides not having it. room, you know, we go from one hotel to the other. We're tipping as we leave the hotel to the porters. We're tipping the driver. We're tipping the porters at the airport. We're tipping the porters at the next airport. We're tipping the the driver that picks us up, and we're tipping at the next hotel. And that's in one day. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that that tipping for the bag can be quite an expense. And personally, I think now that the airlines have added an extra $25 (laughs) for for the second bag, I think that'll help too. (laughs) We don't have that problem. (laughs) I know. 
And I'll see people break their back carrying that second bag just so they don't have to pay for the extra tip. (laughs) Oh, I tell you, the worst part of travel, I think, is the bags. I tell you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have several different methods I've tried. I use, and and none of them are perfect, but (laughs) we constantly try. In fact, since you've been doing it, it's. You know, we can't get bag. We can't have bags catch up with us anymore either. You know, you could if you left yeah. the bag at the hotel, they'd put it on the next plane. We can't do that anymore because it's a security. I know. So now I know. it's even tougher. It's even yeah. tough. We have to make sure we have them. We yeah, can't just have bags anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask uh, about. We talked a little bit about um, like weird or rare emergencies. I mentioned that death experience in Kathmandu, but about. Some of the uh, sudden things, like let's say uh, you're going to the airport and you have plenty of time, but they're doing road construction and we route you and you end up missing the plane. Or there's a hurricane that just started to come through somewhere and the flights are late or the bus breaks down. Um, Those kinds of emergencies where you miss major things, um, what do you do? Uh, How do you keep them from getting excited, the... the, um, members of the tour, and what do you do? <laughs> you sound like my students <laughs> come up with these big scenarios, and I go, oh, no, you'll have enough on your own. You'll have to make up other ones. I have a feeling <laughs> some of those you're speaking from experience. <laughs> well, I'm speaking um, from experience. <laughs> yes. I know. Oh, well, here's one. Okay, I was, I was checking right. out of a hotel, and when things go wrong like that, they go, they go wrong completely, you know, all the way through. I know it. <laughs> and um, I was leaving the hotel. We were checking. I think it was in Denmark. I don't really I think Denmark or Norway. We were checking out. And um, the night before, I confirmed, and I even wrote down the time for luggage pickup and, you know, had my poster for my tour members. I mean, I had it all wrapped up. So the next morning at 4 a.m., I went down to the desk, and um, there's one guy standing there, and, of course, he looks at me like, he has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I said, open the drawer, look in there. It's written down. I wrote it down. And he goes, oh, I'm the only one on duty. So now uh-huh. he's getting a late start and picking up the luggage, uh-huh. which is just right, and we've got a, a flight to catch. Well, the second problem occurred when somebody during the night broke the front, the glass in the front of the hotel. So he had to take a little side door which, of course, took even longer to collect the luggage and get it out to the sidewalk for the driver. So then the driver arrived, and he said, can we leave early? And just what you said, the the road's been blocked, and we have to take a detour. We need extra time. (laughs) I said, I'm not sure we're going to leave early. So, of course, we left a little late. We took, took. We hit the roadblock and um, had to go the long way around. Mm-hmm. So we got to the airport, and I raced over to the porters. And, again, they looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I had physically gone to the airport two days before, set it up with um, their office, looked in their notebook, confirmed that it was down. I think it said um, Anderson Plus, I don't know, it was 42 or 44, whatever mm-hmm. tour members I had. And confirmed it was there. Now I arrive late, and, oh, we have no idea what you're talking about. There's only two of us. We can't help. And I just went, oh, no. So I said, let me have your phone. I called the inbound tour operator who arranged all of this to start with. He spoke to them in Norwegian or Danish or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And then they started to help. 
And now the luggage is out sitting on the sidewalk where the driver left it. I've got to get it into the the check check-in <laughs> area, and they've already started boarding the plane. So the porters, my and I and I'm and like you said, don't get excited and get your tour member. And from the side, you're going, ah, I, can't I know it. You know, but you try to keep calm. And I just said to my tour members and worked it out with the airline that they didn't have to identify their luggage. So I just and I'd already explained how they would identify their luggage. So I just said, okay, now why don't you you can go and check in and just sending them to line, trying to be very calm as madly. You know, we're trying to move the luggage, pack the luggage, get it to the plane. <laughs> and we actually they held the plane a few minutes so we could all get there, get on the plane. So, oh, so you know, those things do happen, but. If something like that happens, I would have the inbound tour operator let them know, we're on the way. Yes. <laughs> and if, with a large group, sometimes they will hold the plane. But if not, the airline will try to help. But that doesn't mean there's going to be 46 seats. Right. So, and, and In fact, in China, I remember them sending, oh, my gosh, I just thought this tour director had to be crazy. They sent half of their great, their group out and left the other half. And um, the tour director went with the first half, and three days later, I pulled into town. The second half was still there. Mm. <laughs> so it wasn't my group. Oh, okay. <laughs> there are my parents to deal with, but it was, yeah. that one was mine. <laughs> well, so one thing we need to talk happen. about. Oh, one thing we need to talk about a little bit. Um, those that are really interested in being a tour director, tour manager, tour guide, what kind of uh, compensation, salary, wages, uh, maybe including tips? Can they expect? I know it's so varied, but is there yeah, a, a guideline? It, it varies a lot, and it's changing quickly. Um, it used to be we were making when I started it was like forty, sixty, eighty dollars a day, and um, mm-hmm. well, sixty when I forty and sixty when I started, and and uh, went up to about eighty. Most of the companies now are paying a little over a hundred dollars a day, and I don't want to scare people off. Um, they're they're we had lawsuits several years ago, about three years ago, um, shortly after, actually it was, I think it was shortly after 9-11, and um, where the state of California and the IRS went after some of the tour operators that were still hiring us as independent contractors. Mm-hmm. And uh, said, no, we were not independent contractors. We were employees and were considered part-time, which was always a joke because I always worked more than anybody in the office, but, you know, <laughs> Right. Part time, you know. Right. But um, so uh, they've had to raise the daily rate a little bit, and that starts the day we leave until the day we get back. And also, in addition to that, and people think we travel for free or we, you know, whatever. But we actually have all of our expenses paid: our air, our hotel, our meals, any meals that aren't included in the in the tour, we're compensated for. Our tips, um, each company has a formula for the, for the laundry and, and, uh, that kind of thing. So, and if you go, if they need to send you a day early, of course that's all covered too. Um, in addition to that, they make, um, gratuities, like I was saying, you, most are saying four to six dollars per day, um, per person is an average. Uh, we also make, um, commissions, um, on, and I hate to even open the subject on shopping, but I don't want to, Anybody to think we're just pushing people to shop and it's a shopping tour because that can always be a, a problem. Um, also on optional tours. And again, we're not pushing people because I've heard of tour directors that just push, push, push people and right. it's offensive. You know, we're there to help yeah. and offer, but you know, not to, not to push. So we make commissions on that too. So it really varies on 
you know, how many people, um, how many optional tours that you have, how many people take optional tours, um, the location as far as uh, commission on shopping um, and that too. So I usually say, I mean, most tour directors should be making at least 250 per day um, on their tours. Um, some are making 350 and, and some, you know, some better than that. But again, it depends on the tour. And it's funny, I have uh, friends that work for uh, – a very upscale company, and I said, gosh, you know, your shopping must be great. And like they said, well, people already have everything. That's right. <laughs> it's not a big deal, you know. <laughs> they already have all that. So, right. um, you know, you would think that they would just be, you know, bringing in the money. Um, so that's sort of a general rule of thumb. I usually say like 250 but I hate to go much, uh, and, and people are making more than that, but I don't want people to get in and get discouraged because they're not making that right off the bat. But right. the more experienced, the better guide, tour director and guide you are, the more you're going to make on gratuities, the more you're going to make because you know your optional tours, you know what people are looking for, and then, you know, you're, you're, going, to, you're going to do better than too. I know. Terry, is there anything <laughs> it helped tremendously. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else that you think we ought to cover in the few more minutes that we have? You know what I want to cover too? People think that if you're going to go into tourism or tour directing you have to travel. And something I didn't know about until I started training tour directors and guides, we have a huge local market. Um if anyone if they live near um major cities, um uh resort areas, tourism centers we have a, a market called the incentive ha- the incentive market, where we have incentive houses, and I won't go too off in that direction because it's a whole chapter or lesson itself. But basically, they're they're de- we're dealing with professionals that are in town for meetings, for training, for incentive. They've won a trip because they're the top salespeople. We're dealing with the VIPs of the companies that will come into town. Um, they usually stay at Ritz-Carlton um, in Southern California, the, the um, Regis Hotel, that kind of thing, the, the four- and five-star, the, the four seasons, they'll say it's the four- and five-star hotels and resorts. And um, the destination management companies, the local companies that are hired to help them, hire tour directors to work with them. And it's it's fun. You're dealing with the VIPs. Um, most of the companies, and I've had my students uh, do surveys around the country, most are 20 and some are $50 an hour um, to do that. And it's a great way to get experience to, um, for mothers, I've had, I know, I've had people with um, children that say it's just great because they have the flexibility to say, no, I'm not available on that day or that weekend or, you know, I have, parent things to do. It has that kind of flexibility, and yet it's fun, too. And um, most people will work during the day. They'll do a party or something at night and and actually um, get overtime and, you know, depending on the state, time and a half and, and do pretty well. I mean, they may work quite a few hours in three days and, and come out, come home with a pretty nice paycheck. Plus, it's fun. I have a, a past student who was a uh, uh, probation officer. I mean, what a switch! <laughs> and she was a, she retired as a probation officer in Los Angeles, and <laughs> called me. And I had the message on my phone for the longest time. It was so cute. And she said, "Boy, she said I'm sitting here at the Ritz Carlton. I dispatch a, 
uh, limousine every couple of hours. Boy, do we have something going here. I'm sitting here listening to Brazilian music (laughs) (laughs) and getting paid for it. So it can be a a lot of fun, and it can also be a way to network into tour directing um, in making contacts, and I've got lots of stories where that's happened, and also to get your get experience. Mm-hmm. So they don't they don't have to travel. They can also work mm-hmm. in their areas. So, and and also one other thing to stress: young and mature. The young people. We've got Kentucky tours. We have the the camping tours, the adventure tours. They love to hire the younger people. Um, escorted tours. Um, they used to say seventy percent. We're over 50. I think it's a little less percentage now because there's more younger tours now going also and student tours. And there's just a place for every age. You know, used to be young men when they got out of college, and now mothers are doing really well in this business. I mean, they're used to taking care of all the details and even doing the packing. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Yes. (laughs) Well, Sherry, tell everyone how they can contact you. Okay, the best way to find out about my class, and then I also have my textbook, the Tour Director Training Guide, um, is through my website, Tour Training, one word, T-O-U-R-T-R-A-I-N-G, dot com. And once they're on that page, they can see the videos that, that Chris mentioned earlier. Um, I also have a, uh, some other interactive things on the site that they might find interesting. And at the bottom of the home page, it says Enroll in Get Paid to Travel Online Class. And once they click that, they'll be taken to a page uh, for the class, and they can either hit Enroll Now and Enroll Right Away, or um, there's a little area above it that says Click Here to Find a School in Your Area. So they can also enroll through a school, one of their local schools. It's all online. It's exactly the same class. And um, the next class starts, hmm, gosh, every month there's a new class starting. Okay. And they'll find the well, that, that website. Well, it's great to have you on the show, and uh, pleasure to meet you. you. Oh, so much fun. I feel like I've been tested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Our listeners are really happy, I'm sure, yeah, of getting some great information from you. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. It's fun to yeah. talk to another tour director, even though he's, yeah. he's putting me through the ringer here with his, <laughs> oh, <laughs> with his, his challenges. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, thank you so much, Sherry. We enjoyed having you on on our show. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. It's been fun. My pleasure.